Haunted, the Demon's Forge. A dungeon crawl for the Gears Age. Kotaku. www.huntedthegame.com May 31st, 2011. Rated M Mature 17 Plus Blood and Gore Violence. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most utterated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Listen and understand. That random banter is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity, remorse, or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia. Today. Terminator, right? Yeah. Terminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I gotta know this. I gotta know this. This Terminator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Little Kyle Reese speech. Kyle Reese speech. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Any reason why? I might have thrown that together like that. Wow, that's... Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you got guys from an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, go ahead, hit me. I'm kind of confused. I had a little tough one with this, but I was figuring you have these alternate reads. They don't have pity. They don't have remorse. They can't be reasoned or okay. emotionally bargained with. And they are going to build a murderous machine. It's a stretch. It's a stretch, but it, it's what it, it's what worked for me. At least you didn't try to put a Titanic reference in there, because you know I know your love for James Cameron knows no bounds. I do love that man who loves the underwater areas of life. <laughs> Speaking of movies, yeah. this kind of segues somewhat nicely in here. My wife and I are kind of finally catching up on some things that we missed out during the last ten years for some reason. I'm a big big fan of the Rocky movies, and for some reason. I stopped after Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a Creed movie that came out. I knew a Creed 2 came out. And I just was like, maybe I'll get to him. Maybe I'll get to him. Creed 3 came out. I was like, you know what? I need to catch up on those movies. Oh, Creed 3. Do, do you mean where Killmonger has a fight with Kang the Conqueror while he, while Valkyrie, his wife, looks on? Yeah, pretty much. One? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Catching up on those movies. We actually, when we're recording this right now, my wife and I had to stop so I could do this recording. <laughs> and we actually stopped right before the final fight of Creed 2. Mm. So <laughs> we're getting our way through. We would be farther along with Creed 2 if I hadn't started watching it and realized that my wife either does really not have any knowledge at all or com- has completely forgot or has never seen Rocky 4. So last night we stopped watching the beginning <laughs> of Creed 2 so I could show her Rocky 4. <laughs> And after we got finished watching Rocky IV, she was like, oh, my God, Creed One makes a lot more Uh sense now. And the beginning of this movie makes a lot Mm -hmm. more sense now. (laughs) I mostly stopped on the Rocky films after the fourth one, because I think the fifth one is where Pauly was his investment manager and dumped all the money and everything. And I was just like, I think I made it like halfway through or most of the way through that one. I was like, this is garbage. And I think that I can be done with this series. And I've never gone back. And so, unfortunately, the Creed movies have been tainted by that darn Polly as well. So you need to jump back in with Rocky Balboa and keep coming through. Rocky Balboa is really good mm-hmm. and the Creed movies are really good. I have been enjoying them so far. So but maybe rewatch Rocky Four before you start watching oh, the Creed movies. Uh, That's just me though. Go Erica. So, yeah, just, Other people bad. Punch. Like hitting yeah, iron. Got it. Watching that movie, I was just like, wow, this is this is just so 1984. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've seen Rocky for a plethora of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, uh, we're just kind of catching up on that. We got a little bit of free time to watch things like that because the daughter's off at outdoor school, which if you don't know what outdoor school is, you didn't appreciate that, then you are not from the West Coast. <laughs> so, my daughter's out outdoor school for the week, which is great. She's going to get back Friday and we are going to Korea. So... Boo-boo, boo-boo. And this is all in the past from when all of everyone's going to listen to this, mm-hmm. but who cares? What about you, sir? I, you know what? 
I'm going to guess. Yes. I'm going to guess what you've been doing. I'm going to guess what you've been doing because I am friends with you and Hillary on Facebook, and you have been doing nothing while she has been enjoying the outdoor activities. <laughs> she has been going cross-country skiing the past two days, and I've been working at other projects that need doing. Yesterday was a outside-of-the-area jobs, and today was a inside around-the-house jobs where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a bunch, except I'm not feeling good again. I'm like, oh, thank you, kid who drinks home every sick, where I'm like, I don't feel really great. So my list of this is what I'm going to do while you're skiing turned into, eh, I'm going to nuzzle into some of these things. But yes, I've, I've been busy elsewhere other than on a mountain cross-country skiing, which would have been great. And it was beautiful up there, which would be super fun. But I've not been uh, going cross-country skiing. However, I have re-watched the whole Mandalorian series again. I re-caught up on Good. that, because, and, which was great. That was still an enjoyable ride, fairly fast to go through. Season 2.5, Book of Mandalorian, is really quick because it's only three episodes. Weird. It starts at number five, ends at number <laughs> seven. <laughs> While I was having breakfast this morning, I, I watched the newest Mandalorian, I think, episode four, so... Yeah, I have not seen the newest one today, and probably not going to see it till after we get back from our trip. Mm -hmm. So, what's great on modern media is it is so hard to avoid spoiler stuff. Well, apparently that is going to be on the Mandalorian that I'm going to watch in a half hour. Thank you, world. <laughs> but no, 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 no. The li life has to be ruined for you because you know you deserve it. Yeah, I'm a terrible person. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not as terrible as. Val mm. or Reed. Yes. I think they're the, the worst two. That's that's just my personal opinion. But let's let's get in and talk about Maybe that. Let's should, get in and talk about that, shall we? Find out about that, huh? I think we should find out about that. And the only way that we could possibly do that is by starting off with you telling us two cents as what happened last episode. Dr. Doom wants to host a tea party and a talk for some friends, so Reed kindly offers up the Baxter Building as a venue so that the recently brain-revitalized Latvarian leader has a nice place with enough chairs at its table to seat all of his guests. On the guest list are the Wizard and some of his aim buddies, the Mad Thinker, the High Evolutionary, and Diablo. Plus, there is an unexpected drop-in that everyone is excited to see who is known as Watu the Watcher. Now that the the reason for this tea party is to discuss how to defeat Reed Richards as Val had let four evilish alt-universe reeds into ours, and they appear to be up to some shenanigans, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend! I want you to go ahead and get out your high school uniform and put it on and dust off your old instruments that you used to play and go ahead and take a look at that wonderful, wonderful drink that I got you. Well, that's not a hard trip for me to do, Rick, because I always dress like I'm in my high school Letterman outfit because that's when people peak. I said not Letterman outfit. I said your old uniform for your marching yes, band. Yes, my marching band uniform. I, I don't like to brag. I played the triangle. Ding. Ding. <laughs> all lies. All salacious lies. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? We've got Movement Brewing Company. We've got Band Geek Blonde. <laughs> it's a piccolo player. She's blonde. She has braces and freckles and glasses and green eyes. And she actually has uh, my high school and junior high's color scheme going on, which is purple and gold. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, she's in a marching band. Band Geek Blonde. All right, we've got Sue Richards, Blonde. Mm -hmm. Geek I, is Reed and... I need you just to kind of scroll on down the script a little bit and take a look at the name of the issue. The Beating of Drums. Ah! <laughs> that did it. You know what? I looked at... The, I knew the name of this issue several times, and but every time I look at it, I'm like, well, all right, and then forgot about it. Okay, this makes perfect sense. The Beating of Drums. The Band Geek Blonde. The Marching Band. The High School Digs. All of that good stuff. I see. This is really nice. I mean, we can also, too, say that we got somebody here who's blonde, mm -hmm. like Sue, yep. and Sue's got kind of a lead role in this as well. She's the only geek that's not at the table. There is a lot of geeks at the table, but no, I only got this really because the name of this issue was the beating of the drums, and I was looking for something that said that, and I saw Band Geek, and I said, yes. That's the one. This is great. <laughs> so we have here from Movement Brewing Company, Band Geek Blonde, and this is 4.9% ABV, <laughs> and it's a blonde. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very heavy wheat smell. Yeah, it smells sweet. It smells really nice. 
It's your Cheers beer-colored beer. Yep. I mean, you look at this, and it's got a nice little frothy head on it. Just a nice small one. This is the, yeah, yeah this is the prototypical. This is the default setting for what beer looks like, isn't it? It really, yep. really is. Oh, well, that's pleasant. It tastes like a fresh, yeah, gentle, that is- enjoyable beer, malt, wheat, beverage. Yeah, that is, it, it's wet on the tongue, so it's not hyper-carbonated or dry. It is really gentle it flows really smoothly mm-hmm. it's got a little sweetness to it but not excessively mm-hmm. so it's not artificial this is just very pleasant there's a little bitterness in there but that's okay that's all right it's something you kind of have to hunt for almost yeah no i like this hmm. okay yeah it's starting the second swallow for me had a little bit more of that bitterness it had a little bit more of that yeah. pilsner kind of but flavor kind of thing got that sort of generic beer flavor but but no i like this this is nice this is pleasant it's I mean, the, we are in the beginnings of spring, or kind of like heading through spring. This is going to be nicer once we get to the hotter months. Mm-hmm. But no, I I can appreciate this. This is a nice summer beer to have with your buddies sitting on a dock. Or a nice beer for outside doing yard work, sweating, and you're like, ah, I need something to drink. And you grab this beer and you go, yes, this is pleasant and refreshing and not too heavy. Yeah, this is nice. Also, a nice beer that you can have while you're sitting with your friends trying to take over an ancient Atlantean city. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that, but this would be a great Siege of Atlantis beer. A good beer to have while you and your buddies are sitting around trying to figure out how to stop a bunch of megalomaniacal villains from destroying your reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pleasant. Very pleasant. Yeah. It may not quite fit while you sit around and eat sandwiches. It's not a real sandwich beer, Mm. but that's just my opinion. Explain. (laughs) How is it not a sandwich beer? Because I don't think I said anything about sandwiches. I don't don't think I need to explain myself to you, sir. Mm -hmm. But I think what you need to explain to us is the opening credits, if you please. Future Foundation, issue number four, July 2011, The Beating of Drums. Credits, writer, Jonathan Hickman. Penciler, Barry Kitson. Inker, Barry Kitson. Colorist, Paul Mounts. Letterer, Clayton Cowles. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Featuring the FF, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Thing, Spider-Man, and Doctor Doom. And the supporting characters, the Smarty Pants Brigade. Franklin, Valeria, Dragon Man, Wu, Vil, Mick, Kor, Turg, Tong, Leech, Bentley, Alex Powers, and Nathaniel Richards. As I mentioned in my two-sentence replay, which I do not think I get enough credit for writing. <clears throat> First draft of our script... Organization of episodes and documents, editing the recorded podcast, all on this side of the mic, my dude. Fine, fine, fine. But our listeners would be lost and adrift without my finely crafted words to lead us off. Not to mention the sentence you just said, which I wrote. As I was saying, reading words that you wrote, we left off with Reed and his greatest foes presented with a problem of too many reeds. So, naturally, we start off in the kitchen where sandwiches are being made. For the kids and friends of the FF, not the villains in Conference Room A. No, they brought in a clearance day-old meat tray for those jerks. Sue and Spidey are chatting about the amount and style of sandwiches that get made at a location with a plethora of half pints. As well as the preference for no crusts, something preferred by all the children, sans Val, who says that it makes no difference and that the crust's exclusion is a waste of time. I'm shocked, says Spidey and all of the readers. Speaking of which, when given the choice, Spidey prefers no crust too, because he's a child at heart and or the mind. Or due to the fact that he wears his underoos around all the time. We need to appreciate Sue using her force field powers like telekinesis, moving things around the kitchen, and using a knife-shaped force field for cutting the crust. Power, control, and class. And more sanitary and less dishes, which is the part I am most impressed by. Brilliant! Spidey is curious about how Sue can remain so cool while the rogues gallery is lounging within her home. Well, you see, she knows all these dudes has faced them all on numerous occasions. And do you know what their common denominator is? Uh, uh, funny costume. Uh, no, what? The tread of the bottom of her shoes tattooed on all their collective... Whoa, bu- whoa, 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 kids in the room. But yeah, Sue points out that they should be afraid of her. Well, that noise is unpleasant and annoying and is obviously important. 
but we will get to that later. For now, let's check out the Council of Doom. First order of business, express disappointment at the child who brought home the stray reeds. Not only brought them home, but let them run stray on the planet without telling her parents about them, even though she promised to walk them and feed them and take care of them every day. She is never going to get a goldfish now. She made choices, and now we all have to face the consequences. But Reed is trying to get this group of bad guys to grasp the level of bad that they are all in now. Some, like the High Evolutionary, recognize Reed's fear. Others, like Diablo, are idiots. <laughs> yeah, El Magic Boy thinks that they should just focus on Reed's weaknesses and exploit that in these alternates. Find their Susans, find their kids, find out where these Reeds keep their 401ks and sink the stock market. The Mad Thinker disagrees in a wild and semi-lucid way because... Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of deranged and unhinged, the wizard steps in with his religious analogy of King Solomon. You know, I think he just really wants to cut babies in half, because that is what he says they should do. Cut all the babies in half. Stop, stop, stop. Let the real Slim Shady speak on this. I mean, if anyone knows a reed, it's a reed. Am I right? First, let's all agree that these are smarter and more technically savvy versions of him. Second, they have no families or friends here, just each other and their cause. Third, they all have sworn off junk food and gambling. Well, uh, okay, I got nothing. 616 is toast! Yeah, like the quarterback, and that's Reed's point. But I have a really important question. What's Ben doing right now? Oh, he's standing outside the door looking very angry and getting shot in the middle of the head by a suction cup dart. Plonk. Who, in the name of all that is sane and reasonable, would be poking this bear on this day? Bentley. Ah, uh, of course it is. The kid, after informing the thing that he has been terminated, inquires as to why he is waiting out here. The answer, of course, is that Ben is expecting things to go all kinds of pear-shaped, and he's looking for the inevitable leftovers from these type of meetings. This does not satisfy the clone of a villain. He knows who is in there, and he is expecting everyone to have a bad day. The fact is, he wants to know why Ben is still here, here in the Baxter building, where the ratio of heroes to villains walking the halls has voluntarily swung so far off kilter. This causes The Rock to think, and then to make a decision. He's going to take a little break for a couple days. So, he walks out. Bye-bye, Ben. See you when we see you. And then Bentley gets double-tapped in the head by darts from Franklin and Artie. Terminated. <laughs> There's that weird noise again. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's check in with our reason for being here. In a building full of the most intelligent people, including builders and mechanics, Alex Power has been tasked with performing basic maintenance on Wu and Vil's fish tank. But they do not completely trust him, as shown by Dragon Man supervising. Poor Alex. But at least he is successful. These fish will not slowly boil for some faulty fish tank reason. This is the Baxter building. The potential for a slow fish boil could be for reasons unrelated to fish tanks. Okay, this time we see that what is annoying to land dwellers is meaningful to the sea dwellers, as the two fish kids snap into a trance and start e-shrieking in kind. Now, Sue and Spidey, along with most of the FF kids, head to Sue's bedroom, the source of the shrieking e-noise. It is coming from a big old spiral shell on her wall. A <laughs> shell phone, if you will, with the ringtone set as high as it can go. And when Sue touches it, she gets a message that the old Atlanteans are having a revolt. The Mala and Corday are rising up against the Uhari. Oh yeah, one of the reeds set this up a while back when he stabbed a dude in the head with a lethal science device. Yep. Sue promises that she'll be right there, and Spidey says that he'll go and get Reed. Sue shuts him down. Reed already has his hands full dealing with whatever the Doom Party's all about, so she sets up her own team of heroes consisting of her, Spider-Man, and Alex Power. Welcome to the big leagues, Alex. Hope you survive the experience. Back in the conference room of impending death, more overboiled tea and four-day-old coffee cake have been served, and Doom's discussion continues. Of course it does. The bad guys, Doom especially, are really liking what all these alt-reads are laying down. No weaknesses, no soft natures, just the desire to rule and decide the fate of others as they see fit. Oh yeah, Doom is feeling the fuzzy-wuzzies for these dimensional despots. 
Yeah, Doom does feel this way, at least until Reed points out that the first move all the other Reeds did in their own dimensions was to turn any Doom they find into a vegetable, because that made him easier to deal with. This leads to Diablo to say that now he likes all these other Reeds. Doom is sad. Okay. This is fun and all, but Nathaniel, the time traveler, and Killjoy does not, ironically, have time for this. And we are also running out of script space. So let's cut to the chase. These reeds are desperate and out of their element. They are done playing nice and they have a goal. So what would Reed do? And what has Reed done when he reached the end of his ideas and is facing that impossible task? Like counting snowflakes in a blizzard. Why, he would build a machine, of course. And someone in the room knows where the reprehensible reeds are going. And her name is Val. And she lets them know the machine's name, Saul's Anvil. Now that sounds bad. Well, it involves the moon, the negative zone, the forever city, some toy from a closed KB Toys, and old Atlantis. Hey, wait. Sue's going there. Sue can't go there. I already said that the KB Toys was closed. No, not there, but there. Old Atlantis. Oh, well, Sue has already arrived at that there. And just in time, a bunch of mutated mollusks that can shoot energy blasts are assaulting the shield above the Atlantean city. This is bad because the Uhari are the only one of the three Atlantean races that are not amphibious. They will drown in the air that will come crashing in if that shield wall falls. Luckily, Sue brought a couple of heroes with her, and they go do the saving thing. Ba-boom! The three seem to be making a dent in the assault, but then... Rumble! Out comes Mole Man and his subterraneans. This would not have happened if Reed had just invited him to his party. Oh, but even better. Mole Man has a plus one to this gathering, and it is the Reed with the Cyclops glasses, and he is requesting that the city be brought down. This stops Sue in her tracks. Reed is here, but Reed is here with Mole Man. And he wants to destroy the city. Why does Reed want to destroy the city? Uh, Rick, it's because this is an evil Reed from an alternate dimension. You know this. Yeah, I know this, and we know this, but Sue, Spidey, and Alex don't know this. I guess Val compartmentalizing this information to only those attending Doom's Tea Party might just have some negative effects on everyone that weren't there after all. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? Indeed. But Jeff... Who'd have thunk that this cover was a good idea? Let's discuss it in the themes of this issue and the cover credits, <laughs> if we will. It's a great looking cover. It has nothing to do with nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. We have got Ben Grimm front and sever. It looks like he's been in a fight, which Ben was not in a fight at all in this book. So, you know, whatever. He got shot in the head. That's the worst fight of all. He battled words with a with a 12-year-old. <laughs> He's holding a rejected car from a Street Fighter game that has been through the ringer. It's got a New York license plate that says Atuna 2011. And he looks angry and he's about to throw it. And like behind him, there's some scene going on. There's a big explosion somewhere in the back distance. But be directly behind him, we have Spider-Man and Reed and Sue all in their uniforms. And kind of a little bit back from that, we got Dr. Doom and he's got electricity coming out of his hand. Really cool cover, yeah. but nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. No, great cover is is meaningless. Is meaningless. Just yeah, nothing. Utterly pointless. Just it's just yeah, nothing. It's cool, but it's nothing. Danielle Acuna, who uh, license plate Acuna. There we go. He does great work. I like his work. Really cool, but eh, whatever. <laughs> the alternate one that was done by Marco Drudvik is one of these black and white Stark issues, and it's got the new three symbol ff symbol and he got spider-man right up front and center and that's a nice looking issue it that's a nice also looking cover. I mean, got a lovely looking cover it looks really really great yeah with the three hexagons behind spider-man and his uh, white and black future foundation suit and also great but pointless it, it's just character standing there i would say that it's got more to do with this issue than the other one does in the sense <laughs> that spider-man stood somewhere sometime yeah spider-man was standing in the issue okay <laughs> that's a lot closer than anything that Atuna's <laughs> telling us, so. <laughs> They're both good-looking covers, but neither one has much of anything to do with anything. I like it when the cover gives us something, mm -hmm. you know, gives gives us some hint about what's going on in the issue. I, I mean, we didn't really even get to the fighting, per se, in this one. No. So, Well, the, the yeah. comic barely got to the fighting either. I mean, the cover would be, you could have a cover that was a close-up on a table with a bunch of different characters' hands resting on the table. 
Yes. That's what you could yes, do. I and like the, that. Because then you could be like, hey, that's, I think that's Doom's Gauntlet. And I think that that's Diablo. Doom's Gauntlet. And I think that's High how, yeah. Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cool. I would have liked that. That would have been nice. So I think Maybe that. maybe even maybe even a polish table and you could see like. Oh, and like, then you could do uh, the, shadows, the reflection bounce uh, like or something. Reflection of their heads okay, too. Yeah. yeah. And then kind of off in the distance, you see Uatu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, and we are not artists. We can't do this stuff, but that would be but awesome. we come up with ideas <laughs> that will never see the light of day. Never see the light of day. We are what we are. <laughs> Could you go back 12 years and redo the cover <laughs> for this one comic, please? We have a fun idea. It's not even a key issue. We don't care. <laughs> come on. All right. So we've got the Council of Doom here. And uh, we've actually got a nice little picture in the book. Tells us who's all here. We got the Watcher, High Evolutionary, Nathaniel Richards, Reed Richards, Valeria Richards, Doctor Doom, Diablo, the Wizard, the Wizards, AIM Lieutenants, and the Mad Thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we talked a lot about them last time, yeah. but now we're getting into the meat of what's going on, <laughs> and that is they have been brought together to say, okay, how can we stop our most hated foe that we have all failed at stopping multiple times? <laughs> this council is so stupid. <laughs> I had such high hopes you know, for it when it was what? being formed last issue, and this is just like, okay, Mad Thinker's <laughs> mad, Diablo thinks it's funny that they lobotomized Doom, Wizard wants to cut babies in half, and Doom is just like, I'm awesome! Yeah, really when it comes down to it, it's a stupid yeah. idea that really was never gonna it, work. It could have been such, on paper! It should work, on paper, let's get... The people that hate us the most to try to figure out how to stop a theoretical problem. Mm -hmm. You know what? This could work. And these are like the most intelligent villains that he knows. They are all brilliant in their own right. But they forgot one important fact. Two important facts. Most of them are insane. Yeah, they're Coco for Cuckoo Puffs. And all of them are criminals. So you got some that are criminally insane, and most of them that are just absolute criminals. (laughs) So. I like Diablo's plan is just like, let's kidnap their kids (laughs) and stab them in a shower. We're going to get together the best group of warriors to handle this problem, and we're going to get them all from the rogues and thieves hall. (laughs) This is going to be great. We want everybody on the bottom half of the table of alignments, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get some out-of-the-box thinking. Cut babies in half and kidnap their children. Okay, great. Oh, just rant crazily about how Reed shows his weakness which is his family, which he knows, so it's obviously not a weakness. We're going to miss something. Okay, thank you, Mad Thinker. And High Evolutionary going, you look scared, Reed. Yeah, sweet. We really just, I think we would have been fine with Nathaniel and Dr. Doom and Reed mm-hmm, and Val, mm-hmm. and we would have figured it out. Yes. And in doing so, maybe not tick off the rest of the family. Because mm-hmm. you've done that too, Reed. Because then the rest of the family may have been in the Council of Doom learning things and having some discussions. Yeah. You kind of cut out the rest of the family on here. And the end result of this is, hey, you know what? We can't really try to do any of the tricks we've done against Reed in the past because none of them are going to work. These guys don't have families. They don't have anything they care about. Their entire universes are destroyed. Realistically, these people are trying to save the multiverse. It's just that they want to sacrifice a 616 yeah. where everybody keeps their stuff. So we need to think really outside the box here. And everybody's still like, well, we just need to attack what you hate, Reed. No. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they had such high potential and failed so far. Maybe they'll redeem themselves, so to speak, in future issues or something. I'm very, I'm curious to see what they're going to bring. But so far, they've brought nothing. They've brought nothing to the table and, in fact, have caused Ben to walk away from the party for a while. Yeah, Ben has walked out after taking a suction dart shot to the temple, to the forehead, really, Mm -hmm. center mass, by Bentley. And the fact that it's Bentley that says, you know what? You have no purpose. Mm -hmm. And Ben listens to Bentley. Okay, this is how far we have dropped, folks. Ben is taking advice from Bentley. Yeah, life advice from Bentley, who is... You shouldn't go to him for advice. Not someone you go to when you're like, hey, I've got a problem. Can I tell it? Can I share with you? And can maybe we discuss this? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Aha, make a bomb. <laughs> you bet. Have you tried blowing yourself up? Yes. Because that's always what I think you should yeah. do. 
hmm, perhaps this is not a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't go to our villains for advice. That might be the lesson we need to learn here. Yeah. S speaking of which, I've been meaning to tell you, I need to stop asking you for advice. Oh, I give great advice. Like the last time when you said, what should I do about this? And I said, have you tried blowing yourself up? I said, hey, my toenails are long. And you said, have you tried using a weed whacker to cut them off? Bad advice, Jeff. Okay? Stop being evil. No, oh, no, you're right. The weed whacker was for the toenails. The flamethrower was for shoelaces that were tied too tight. Again, my daughter's feet are healing nicely. Thank you. Stop telling people that. Okay, aloe vera. Okay. There, that's a free one. <laughs> Yeah, but you're telling me to drink it. Okay. <laughs> we do have, of course, this is going to be the first of two issues with some pretty good Alex content. We actually have Alex Power doing stuff mm -hmm. in this book besides just saying, hi, how you doing? He's actually here doing something. He fixes a fish tank. He makes a mollusk heavy. Just one. Just one. He gets Spidey then says, nice job. But, but don't you worry, none. We got more coming up. We got more coming up. We do have Alex doing mechanical stuff, which I don't know if they're just throwing Alex a bone here. It kind of <laughs> I mean, seems it just, like it. Just it just feels like it. Yeah, it seems like. And, uh, and even Dragon Man looking over his shoulder saying. Mm. You see you see the things right behind that? Yeah, I see them. So what you want to do? Yeah, I take them and I put them together. Yeah, you put them together. Good job, Alex. Yeah, it seems like. For the member who has all the life experience and everything, and that's one of the reasons they brought him. It's like, yeah, you might not be the smartest in the room, but you have it where it counts, and it's experience and knowledge on all these different things. And I don't, Alex isn't bringing too much right now, which makes me sad. And we'll let you go ahead and work on the fish tank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alex, we got a big job for you. When you open up the refrigerator, the light doesn't come on. Could you? Could you figure that out, buddy? Oh, you're the real hero of the team. But still, he does get tapped to be part of the, what is it? Terrific trio. Yeah. So, yeah. The Sioux Squad. Yeah. Ooh, I like the Sioux Squad. Mm -hmm. The Sioux Squad. She gets Spider-Man and she gets Alex Power, which, great. Gets a chance to shine, gets a chance to go out there and do something, and also gets to stick it to Reed, which is what we all want to yeah, do. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yep. You wanna, everybody wants to pull Reed's stick out and then beat him with it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Alex still looked really shell-shocked during a lot of this, because it's just like a lot of places he's just kind of like looking like, oh. And in fact, when the mollusks are attacking, Spider-Man's everywhere punching everybody, and Alex is kind of standing like looking. And it's like, Alex has got a lot more experience than that. You know that he could be doing a lot of things, so. Well, when he does do something, it's pretty impressive. You know, let me just go ahead and drop this mollusk down. Can you do that to all the rest of them now? Yeah, sure thing have. there, buddy. He could do... Alex is... So much potential that gets unrealized in this comic, which just kills me. It's not just this comic. We saw the same thing with the New Warriors. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, they just fiddly faddly did whatever they want with his powers by saying, oh, I grabbed all my siblings powers and now I can guess I can instantaneously transport us across the globe because the hindsight lad said, why don't you do this? And I said, OK. And then we never came back to it again. Yeah. New Warriors. <laughs> well, yeah. Criminally underused him. And at, yeah, at least at least Sue and Spider-Man recognize that he, he can participate. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's a little rusty because he actually hasn't been on the field doing fighting for a while. We could, but we still. could say that, yeah. But they, they did. Yeah. It tapped him without reservation, and at no point was it just like, all right, Alex, stay behind. Stay behind me. Stay in the car. It was yeah. just like, all right, let's go do this thing. And Spider's like, look out. There's one coming at you. And he's like, yeah, I got it. So. Done. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, this brings us to the most important question of all. Why can't the Fantastic Four, the greatest family in the world, mm -hmm. Communicate with each other. Uh, you think that would be a simple, simple ask, right? Yeah, you would think so. You'd think that that would be the most important thing for them to do. Hey, Dad, I screwed up. I invented a whole bunch of multiple reads into this dimension. Can we bring a bunch of villains together and talk about it and not tell the rest of the family? You bet, little girl. You Here's bet. Here's the thing. Reed didn't know about that either. He just knew that Val and Nathaniel said, we need to get these villains together for a reason. They never told him. Reed just found out right now a lot at, at the same time as everybody else that's when you take a quick break and say sue honey yeah. just fyi there may be multiple of me walking around mm -hmm. the safe word is banana pie yeah something like that because uh, <laughs> i was looking at this and i was just like because because sue and everybody walked into atlantis and seeing a yeah. reed going reed what's he doing here and it's because again 
Very Shakespearean. No communication was going on. But I'm excusing it for the simple fact that they had just heard, they had just learned, and that's when the call went out and they ran to Atlantis. However, still, yes, that needed to be an immediate pause where they said, hey, wait, hold on a second. Everybody, there's more me's, they're bad. Yeah. Let me just say this. I do a lot of meetings in my job. A lot of meetings. And even if they're face-to-face or on the computer, there are times when I can just grab my phone, shoot my wife off a quick little text. Hey, honey, Mm -hmm. just found out there's alternate me's running around. Don't open the door for strangers. Yeah. You know, quick little thing like that. And you don't know how many times I send that message to my wife. In fact, I'll send it right now. (laughs) Just to show you that I will do it. Look out for evil clones of me. If they're not coming from the basement. Watch out for evil clones of me. It's it's just to be nice to the family, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to let people know this, okay? Yep. Yeah, he could have just probably... Because I'm going to assume he had told her about the Council of Reeds, and he could have just, yeah, just shot a message that said, Council of Reeds, in our reality, eyes open. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been really quick and easy. I'm excusing it just for the fact that it was very fresh information that they just got. However, still yeah. uber frustrating, especially... Sue never told Reed or anything that they were taking off to go to Atlantis thing, you know, related to it either, even though it was just like two hours later. And it's like, ah, yeah, there's a lot of frustrations there. Communication is not key in Future Foundation, which is very frustrating. We just ask for people to just a little bit of respect for your fellow family members. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm exactly. saying. So is there anything else you want to touch on? Oh... I like sandwiches. Sandwiches. They, Sue makes a pretty mean-looking sandwich. I was liking <laughs> on that. I really do like the fact that she was using her force field as a knife. Yep. Clever. Very, oh, very yeah, clever. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, that was awesome. Just her moving the stuff around with the force field abilities and then using it as tools to make sandwiches. And instantaneously, a clean knife. Look at this. So, yeah, super cool. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about some final thoughts. Let's talk about the Gallery of Greatness. Once again, we are in this conference room where we've got all the villains, and we got to put up some more artwork. I mean, they gotta, we have to really get these guys' juices flowing. You know, possibly move them away from the real evil stuff and get them just to the mostly evil stuff. <laughs> but let's see about what we can do to help them out. What pieces of art do we need to throw up on these walls? Jeff, do you have a good backup one for us i do it's on page 14 and this is after diablo roasts (laughs) doom by saying that now doom gets lobotomized no i like these reads and i call it sad doom is sad metaphorically burn face doom where he's just like he got he got zinged and he's like "Mm, i don't like getting zinged (laughs) yeah i i have that as my backup good art Mm -hmm. And I called it Sad Doom. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one a lot. All right. What's your uh, joke backup one, then? My joke backup one is on the first page, and it's about the fourth panel down. And they're Sue and Spider are having the conversation in the kitchen, cutting up some sandwiches and stuff. Spider-Man's head is down. We see the back of Sue's head, and she's holding up the knife like she is about ready to garrot <laughs> Spidey <laughs> right across the net. I mean, it's <laughs> Sue gonna cut a fool. Yeah. Sue is gonna cut a fool. You want a sandwich? Yeah. Throat sandwich? You want a sandwich? You want a sandwich now? You want a sandwich? You, you want a sandwich? <laughs> Bring it on. Mm. Yeah, what do you have for your top, top joke one, sir? <laughs> Okay. My top joke one is on page 12 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it, It Takes a Steady Hand. Bzzzt, butterfingers. This is the one where Dragon Man is hovering over Alex while he fixes a fish tank. And it just reminded me of the game Operation, so uh, it made me giggle. No, I like it. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. My top, it also brings us back to Alex giving the worst jobs. So my top joke one was what I call the terrible trio. <laughs> and this is with, do I even need to show you the picture? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. This is with Leech, Franklin, and Artie. And they are, they have just nailed, nailed Bentley in the face with these suction cup darts. And you see Franklin dead center. He's two hands on the gun. And you got Leech saying terminated. And he's got gun pointed. And Artie, he's blowing smoke out of one of the, the fact that one of those guns is smoking, that's a little bit of a thing I think there. It's an artistic no, I choice, it. is what I think it is. Unless maybe, no, maybe no, they're, no, they're, no, uh, no. they could be green gas driven. So that is the uh, gas. Exp- yeah. Reed has made sure these things smoke like they were really fired. Yeah. 
That's yeah. just, you know. That's fun darken. I yeah. like that. I was hovering on this panel myself due to the simple fact that it's my top art back one, and mm. I call it Franklin's Angels. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Or that was back your backup up. good art. I already said my backup mm-hmm. good art. So why don't you go ahead and tell me what your top good art is? On the previous page <laughs> is something I call Thoughtful Ben. And this is Thoughtful Ben. Yeah, Thoughtful Ben. Because this is after uh, Bentley's Razin on him and like, why are you here? And Ben is thinking about it. And it's an awesome looking close up of Ben's face and him kind of just staring into the distance like, why am I here right now? I love it. It's just an amazing look of Ben. So for a character made out of rock, there's always so much humanity that can be put into his face. And I absolutely love it. So my top thoughtful Ben. It's also just very deep, too. Why am I here? Yep. What is my purpose in life? Why do I exist? Yeah, a really zen moment there with Ben. I like it. I like it. My top best one is what I call party time. And this is when Mole Man mm-hmm. shows up with the party brigade. Oh, yeah. It is a fantastic splash page. Front and center, you got Sue and Spider-Man. Sue's hair is just whipping around. You got Moloids coming out of the ground. A couple Moloids riding these monsters. And there's this kind of hover thing that the soon-to-be-seen Reed and Mole Man are on, and it's kind of above this artichoke monster? <laughs> artichoke art monster? I mean, I don't know it's how else to describe it. It's subterranean party monster. Oh, wow. Party monster. Yeah. It's it's a very, very cool it picture. Is good. I think it, it's, it was on my list. Passing through the book the first time, I'm like, well, you're going to make it into the top art. And then I decided to go <laughs> a little different. Hey, we, we matched up on everything else, so it's probably a good thing you did. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you we kept matching up, then I'd have to call you a name like, you know, Mr. Poopyhead or no! something. Hey, it's rubber and glue moment. Let's talk about the best or most childish insults. My backup one is Reed describing what the Reeds do to Doom and Diablo's response. Oh, that is my top one. That's my top one. Yep, that's on uh, page 14 of Marvel Unlimited. You want to read that out? Reed says, one of the things they do is to turn any Victor Von Doom they encounter on any world into vegetables. They consider you too dangerous to just let wander around. And Diablo's response, well then, I do believe I like these Reeds. And Doom is sad. Yeah. Uh, every time I read that, I laugh. So it, it's yeah. my top insult one because, yeah, just... And Diablo is echoing the exact words that Doom said when yeah. Doom was yeah, finding yeah, yeah. out about these perfect reads. <laughs> Except Diablo's doing Turn. it to razz on everybody and really razz on Doom, which is super, super great. Turn Doom into a vegetable. Mm-hmm. What is your backup one you had? It was on page four, and we discussed it in the, the show already. Them making the sandwiches and Spidey going, aren't you worried about all these people that are in the house? And Sue's like, yeah, all these people are here. And do you know what they all have in common? Munch, munch. What's that? Through the years, I've beaten every one of them over and over badly. So you tell me, do you think I should be afraid of them or should they be afraid of me? Yeah. You got it, Sue. <laughs> Sue laying down the line. <laughs> Let me tell you about my top one. Mm-hmm. Got to guess. Monster face. Yes, yep. it is. Bentley to Ben, calling him Mr. Monster Face. First of all, the gall, right after hitting him <laughs> with one of those suction darts and then calling him Mr. Monster Face. <laughs> Let me tell you, that boy is walking with a pair. Okay, so... <laughs> Yeah, Bentley. Bentley takes his own life into his hands, but you know what? You go, you go. <laughs> uh, Bentley is picking safe targets. Ben's not going to hurt him, even though Ben could really hurt Bentley. Ben could hurt. Him. Oh my goodness, yes. All right. Speaking of wise choices, let's talk about our lovely, lovely award we give out every other week on the show: the Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Jeff. Who you got for this one? Okay, I know that we go either route where we can either do it as the joke parenting award or as the real parenting. I am going to pick a real parenting award this time, and I am going to give it surprisingly to Nathaniel Richards. Really? Yes. He was at his son's tea party that his friend was was hosting, and uh, he was not going to take any of his son's friend's guff. So he puts Doom in his place, where it's just like, yeah, for a bunch of smart guys, you're not thinking, what? You've heard me, Doom. You're not thinking. So he, he's willing to listen to, but put his, his son's friends in their place and not tell them the answer, but guide them to the answer. When he's just like, okay, okay. I'll give you a big hint. 
When you are up against the wall, you have nowhere to go to. What do you do? What is it you've done, Reed? What have you done in the past? What would you do in the future if you had no other course of action to do because you didn't know what to do? What would you do? I'd build a machine. That's right. He'd build a machine. So he, I liked how Nathaniel handled the situation. So he kind of the teacher of the year award here. Okay. So he he was doing a good parent teaching thing. It was like, everything could be a learning experience. And son, your friend really doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going, I'm going to insult him a little bit, but it's an encouraging way. So... (laughs) Well, I went with a good parent, a very good parent, and that is Sue Richards. Oh, yeah. Because she knows what her wards like to eat. Mm -hmm. And And how. She protects and how they like to eat, and also she protects her den. Yes. So we have a good mother that knows how to protect, knows when there are threats that are that are there that could potentially harm, and she's feeding she's feeding her kids. And she knows what they like. Yeah. And the entire first part of it is about her talking about that, about knowing how the kids eat and what they like, and just making sure that they are well-fed and they are enjoying themselves. Yeah. So that is a good parent. That's a very good parent. Excellent, excellent choice. Sue is – Sue. Uh, spoilers. Sue is really good in this issue. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, and I think we should go ahead and move on there. And that's the popular and shunned. The character who was the best and the character who was the worst in this. So I'm going to go ahead and just upset my good buddy here, Jeff. And I'm going to tell him that I thought the worst was Ben. Hmm. Because he just walked? Yeah. Ben was being a grump. Mm-hmm. He was not supporting his friends and family. And he allowed himself to be bullied by Bentley. Yeah, that is a problem right there. <laughs> However, they have established for several issues that Ben was not feeling it and wasn't knowing his place on the team yeah. and has been upset for quite a little while where nobody's really yeah. been addressing it. He also was outside the conference room waiting for the inevitable shoes to drop and ready to do something. Yeah. He was like, I'm not going to instigate anything, but I'm going to be on hand for when I need to be here. But yeah, he then did let I, Bentley get under his skin and just kind of like yeah. ma- manipulate him. The minorest of bits were most people would have just ignored Bentley or said, Bentley, just go away. I had to give Ben a hit on that one. So I'm not upset with you, but I am disappointed in you for that, Rick. But <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say the worst was the wizard. Okay. Because right. uh, his contribution was... King Solomon was going to cut these ladies' babies in half. Maybe that's what we should do. Cut all the babies in half. It's like, thank you, the wizard. That doesn't help at all. At all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I may have missed something here, but why do you think the wizard was the worst? Because it sounded like you were saying why he's the best. <laughs> uh... Always. Okay, so you heard Rick, folks. Gonna... Rick, Rick uh, agree. <laughs> thinks that people should kill babies, just all all the babies. I didn't say kill babies. I said oh, split cut them, them in half. half. There There's is a, a difference. huge difference. There's a difference. There really is. Ooh, yeah. science. Ooh, magic trick. <gasps> Ooh, the, he is the wizard. Of course, that's what he's going to do. He's going to do a magic trick. He's exactly. going to cut kids in half, and he's going to be like, "Ha ha! They're in half. Tickle their toes. Watch them run around. Oh, how fun!" And then put them back together. Didn't think about that. All right, my best, and this is going to really shock you. Mm-hmm. Is Reed. Mm. He is in a bad situation, but he seems to be making the most of it. He is getting some answers. He is trying his best to control the council, and Mm -hmm. he is getting to a point where he can figure out what the best solution is. Yeah, maybe Nathaniel's kind of guiding him to that, but you know what? Still, Reed is actually trying to figure out what's happening and trying to resolve it. Now, did he fail because he didn't tell his wife about uh, a whole bunch of reads? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. we got to probably get back to that one of these days. But I think that he is doing a pretty good job controlling a horrible situation. He is, uh, last episode, I gave him my best award, which is surprising Mm -hmm. because it's Reed. Perennial, nobody likes him, Reed. So I, I... think you made an excellent choice with that i did not pick reed i went for his lovely wife sue who i just thought was uh she she was top of the charts plain and simple yeah i think we we talked yeah. about some for of all the reasons with, we discussed with, yeah yeah put alex on a team put alex on the team got him off the bench got him off the pine i don't need reed to solve this problem i'm gonna go solve the problem myself oh oh well that's a pretty big problem okay but will you know still all right. I'm super excited for the next issue where she's all, Reed, Reed, what are you doing? And Reed's all like, I have no idea who you are, lady. 
trying to take over the world. What else? <laughs> All right, let's get into our top grades. We want to evaluate this issue against the other issues that have a member of Power Pack in them. Starting with the month of mourning, the funeral of Johnny Storm, going down to spot number 11, we've got the Future Foundation, F uh, Fantastic Four number 579, going down to spot number 21, Runaways number one, True Believers number one. That's where the Runaways are told by Gert about the future. Beware of Victor and beware of future reads. And then we go down to spot number 31, War of Kings, Darkhawk number two. Chris goes to space. And of course, we still have our last one, Loners number three. Mm -hmm. Jeff, how are you feeling about this one? This is a... Hmm. Moving the chess pieces. It is another moving the pieces around building towards something issue. And it it ties right in with the previous one. It ties right in, obviously, with number three, which is, you know, whatever happened to all those reads. This is the continuation of the story kind of a thing. So it's like... So, but that was a good one where they kind of said, here's what the problem mm -hmm. is. This is one where they're starting to talk about how to fix the problem. Yeah. We find out what's going on. There's something going on over in... Atlantis. I, I'm having a hard time really keeping this story in my head. I understand it just, that. There's not much to grasp onto on. Okay. Well, then, how about skipping down? That was seven. Skipping down around eleven. The founding of the Future Foundation. Mm, what do we think about? I think it's still better. I think it's still better than that. Okay. <laughs> okay. We have. World Eater, Baxter Buildings and Festes, Sue is Keeping the Peace, Galaxus Wants a Snack, Fantastic Four 586. This was another one of these that was, we are in the midst of doing stuff. Mm -hmm. So we've got things that are going on. We're moving the plot forward. I think there was a lot of cool stuff with the plot moving forward on this one. I think this is a little bit less. Down below that, we've got Fear of Flying. That's volume, uh, Loners number one. It probably is going to go be above and below that mm -hmm. one. I can see that. Yeah, that's where Maddie convinces Chris to hunt down drug makers. I always had a problem with loner stuff. They they were always kind of rough. I think I might like. I think I like this one better than loners number one. All right, we'll make this the new number sixteen then. And there we go. All right, let's go ahead and talk about beer. Mm -hmm. It is the beer that we have been drinking. It is Band Geek Blonde by Movement Brewing Company. It's decent. It's easy to drink. It's not... I think it's exceptional in how unexceptional it is. Yeah. It's a standard beer. Yeah, it is a beer. It is about the most default neutral beer I think I've ever had. Yeah. And it's good for it. Oh, yeah. It's great for what it is. It is just... It is exactly what it is, which is a beer. I'm having a yeah. beer. Describe it. Uh, beer. Beer. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. It's it's I, I would drink this again. I think I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a three point five. I feel would feel bad giving it a three. Yeah. And I'd feel bad about but, giving it but a realis four. So yeah. But realistically, it probably should be a three. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm good with a three five on it as well. It feels like it could use something else. Maybe if like mulched up some raspberries and put it in there, that might make it a little bit interesting. But then it wouldn't be. Then, then it, wouldn't it wouldn't be, be just exactly a regular. What it is true. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's fine for what it yeah. is. Yeah. I just I feel like I want some some challenge with it. Something interesting. It's good, but I want. Yeah. What what kind some, of a challenge do you want from a band geek? Oh, uh, uh, I want to hear them play "Flight of the Bumblebee." Okay. <laughs> Because that's impressive. We'll move on from that then. <laughs> and to move on from that, we go to Kid's Perspective, and that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. We are back to talk about FF again, aren't we? Yep. So tell me a little bit about what's going on with this issue. Who's come over for tea? <laughs> <laughs> Villains. Yeah. We've got Diablo, Doctor Doom, the High Evolutionary, the Thinker, and who am I missing? Oh, the Aim guys and the Wizard, right? Did you just name all those off the top of your head? Yeah, I did. Of course you did. <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> of course you did. I read the comic. Did you yeah. read the comic? I read the comic. You've not got the comic in front of you. I don't have the comic in front of me. I know. That's why. I... Okay. <laughs> Let's start off with this. Which of these villains do you like the best? I feel like you've asked me that question before. Yeah, I know, but you've got to spend more time with them now. Hmm. 
They're all really chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) Good word. Very good word. In the same area, they're like yelling and they're like, we should take their children and arguing. (laughs) So who do you like best? Who do you like worst? I don't know. (laughs) Are they all about the same to you? They're all about the same to me. Really. Who's your favorite villain? I think I'm still going to go with Dr. Doom, and I, I really dislike High Evolutionary. I think that he's kind of boring. I don't enjoy him at all. Which one's High? He's the guy wearing the pink and silver armor. Oh. Yeah. Literally, he says he says one dialogue thing. Yeah. I, I, he's never been my favorite, and he doesn't really stand out too much in this book either, so. <laughs> How is everybody else handling this in... The Baxter building. What about Sue, Spider-Man, Ben Grimm? How are they all handling all these villains in their house? Sue is doing fine with it because she's beat them all before. So she's feeling pretty okay with it. Because if war breaks out, she could really just punch them and that'd be it. (laughs) But Ben Grimm, he's... I don't think he trusts the villains now. Uh, (laughs) And he's not too happy with Reed either, is he? No. He knows something's going to happen. Something's going on. Who convinces him that he should just go ahead and take a walk? Who convinces him that he should leave? Bentley. Yeah. Should you ever really listen to Bentley? Evil kid. (laughs) Do you have any evil kids in your class? No. (laughs) I'd rather not mention You don't have to mention your name. You can just call them, yes, we have one Bentley in our class. (laughs) Actually, technically, we might have a few Bentleys, but, you know. (laughs) Really, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. So, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about this. There's an emergency in the book. Who goes and handles the emergency? Spider-Man, Alex, and Sue. That's right. So Alex gets a chance to step up to the plate, right? Yeah. It's kind of cool that he gets an opportunity to step up and try to do something, right? Yeah. What parts of this book did you like the most? When they were going to, like, fight the bad guys at the end. That was kind of a cool, like, scene right there. Nice little cliffhanger moment right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I also like the villains. <laughs> the villains just <laughs> arguing. It's just the right amount of chaos. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny that they're just, like, shouting at each other and arguing and plotting. Yeah. And and what are they plotting, really? Because we didn't really touch on that too much. They started off with a conversation about what is troubling Reed Richards. And then they started, like, talking about taking their children and... The problem that they have is that there's all these other dimensional Reeds that are there Mm -hmm. doing something. Yep. And they're trying to figure out ways to stop them, right? Yep. So that's what they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out what they're doing and how to stop them. That makes so much sense, though, like... They gathered a bunch of villains Mm -hmm. to stop the heroes. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you still enjoying this series? Yeah. It's gone interesting. (laughs) Well, that's good. All this is happening because a four-year-old did something and suddenly everything's happening. (laughs) This is the reason why I never allowed you to play around my interdimensional portal. Yeah. See, I didn't even know you had it until now. See? That's what makes me a better parent than Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. On an everyday basis, he's like, oh, uh, I'm going to go to work for like three months. Uh, you guys can take care of yourself. Goodbye. And then suddenly he had a brilliant idea. Oh, my gosh. I should get some more kids so I can ignore my like actual kids even more. Let's do that. I'm such a genius. This is the song <laughs> that Reed Richards keeps on singing. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Mm-hmm. I love you. Love you, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good points all, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Shout out time. We want to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This, of course, is for episode 129, Amazing Spider-Man 660, The Substitute, Part 1. Al Sedano and Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Chris Lydon. Grow Radio. Hoover Jeremiah and his show Four Million Years Later. Jeff Bullier. Jeremy Daw, who says, Great episode, though every time you mentioned Psycho Man, I thought of the theme Psycho Dad from Married with Children. 
Limax 7. Matthew Birdsey. Presidency's Podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. And we also want to thank those wonderful people on Patreon who give us a little bit of money to help do this all the time. And I'm talking about those people like the adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering FF Volume 1, Number 5, The Sound of War. Be sure to check out the other show I sometimes do, the monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording for a live studio audience of My Bags Ready to Go to Korea in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, through our Facebook page, at Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. Our theme is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. All featured in this episode is Fight or Flight by Dave DeDill. All music is found at decompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by attribution for pointer license. Fantastic. Not fantastic. Plonk. Let me just... Come here. Let's just... Do not disturb so I don't hear the dings from whatever it is. <laughs> and Rick, in fact, sent a text to both me and his wife saying, watch out for evil clones of me. FYI. So, yes, he did. He, in fact, did. <laughs> Can't wait to see the response back from her on that one. Okay, what? let's go. Jesus. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Not broken. That's good. <laughs>